0: Welcome to the Education in Isolation podcast with me, Angela Connell, where we will explore the challenges of businesses moving from a face-to-face training mode to an online training environment. Many businesses have been caught off guard by the COVID-19 pandemic, but the situation is proving to be a catalyst for new possibilities and opportunities for the training industry. Let me and my guests help you make the most of these opportunities and to navigate the transition so that you and your organisation come out stronger and more resilient than when you went in. Education is the answer and you are the leader. Okay, welcome, Brett. Um, this is Brett Jarman, who is the CEO of Experts on AIR.fm. Uh, Brett has been working with vivacity to assist us with our podcast. Uh, we came up with the idea to do a podcast last year after researching into it and identifying that there's actually a lot more work involved with actually setting up a podcast, uh, not my the expertise of my team. Uh, we engaged Brett to assist us with uh, launching our podcast and now we continue to engage him because it's so much easier just to be able to pop up the audio and then I know it's just all done and looked after for me. So um, I'd like to thank you, Brett, uh, for coming into my life <laughs> and helping our organisation. It's been awesome. Um, having you as part of our team uh with the podcast side and welcome
1: thank you angela welcome to your podcast
0: <laughs> yes yeah, great to actually be on my own podcast <laughs>
1: yeah, it's good good to be on the other side of the fence for a change so angela i know one of the questions that you often ask your guests when you um uh, when you're interviewing them is who are you and what do you do so now it's your turn to answer that question
0: Right, so my name is Angela Connell and I'm the owner of Avacity Coaching and Consulting and we help training organisations get compliant and stay compliant. But one of the things that we've identified since uh, COVID-19 and with training having to move from where it is, where it was, which was basically mainly face-to-face to to online, we've also identified that uh, we can help non-accredited training organisations get their training online, so teaching them the tools, techniques and technology to get their training up live. Right. So
1: I know, Angela, you've been in the training field for nigh on 20 years. What is it about training that attracts you and what keeps you in that industry?
0: Okay, so I started in the training industry as a training coordinator over 20 years ago and I, I sort of fell into it. I actually went for a, uh, I went to a college and I was uh, learning desktop publishing and graphic design and whilst I was there completing the training, I was there for a year, The I, at the end of the year, the training organisation offered me a job as a trainer assessor. And I was like, oh, okay. It was just something I never even considered before in my life. Uh, But at the time, I was also in the process of moving to Singapore. So I didn't take up the offer, moved over to Singapore, uh, spent some time there and then came back to Australia. And then I thought, well, you know what, I might give this training thing a go. And I ended up working in a few positions where I was delivering uh, training coordination So I was helping uh, put together the resources and training and then I ended up becoming a trainer assessor and then uh, about three, four years down the track, I ended up working for an RTO where I was there full time as a trainer assessor and I left there and started at another RTO uh, and within six months, I bought that RTO. Uh, I took over that RTO and I was delivering uh, services. So we had training in business, hospitality and aged care. And we started with eight qualifications on the scope. And three and a half years later, when I sold it, we had 35 qualifications on the scope. And we expanded from two training rooms to 14 training rooms across two sites and we also had 40 trainers and eight administration staff, and that RTO is still going today. I left there thinking, I'm never going to work in the training industry again. I'm going to get out and go do something totally different. Uh, Studied psychotherapy, and I really liked it. I loved the modalities and understanding how the brain works and how families work um, and how we are a result of our family history. But what I found was I'm very solutions-based. I'm not a – I can't wait for the other person to come up with a solution, particularly if I can see that solution. So I ended up going back into the training industry and I've been consulting ever since. So that was uh, 2009 when I started, sold my RTO and I've been coaching and consulting ever since.
1: All righty. So it sounds like you've got a fair bit of experience under your belt.
0: Just a little bit. <laughs> since then we've worked with over 300 training organizations around Australia right okay
1: very good so Angela we're we're recording this just as Australia's coming out of out of lockdown depending on what state you're in depends on what phase of COVID lockdown I should refer to it because if someone's listening to this two years down the track they may not may not make that connection so now in a sense your business has actually gone through a similar journey to what your clients have been. So you've been predominantly face-to-face training up until now, is that correct? And so, in the process of pivoting yourself, you've also had to. Yep. Uh, so get clients to pivot. So how, how's that journey been?
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. How it all came about was uh, i've I've actually had a few illnesses this year, and I was in and out of hospital, and I just come I was just coming out of hospital and it was announced on the news uh, that there uh, we were going to go into lockdown um, and go into isolation. And the big thing that I really the first thing I thought of wasn't really us, it was our clients, and we just went I just went our clients are predominantly delivering face-to-face. They're going to be massively impacted. Um, I already forecasted it was going to be about six months before we come out of isolation. So I knew that this, uh, being an RTO owner myself, I knew how that would affect them and how um, the impact would be on their organisation not being able to have training Uh, face-to-face in a training organisation. The other one that was going to impact was the fact that they couldn't even go to an employer's uh, place to go deliver training anymore. So the first thing I thought of was, okay, what can I do? What can I do to help our industry to make sure that we keep going? Because I really did identify whenever there's a downturn in the economy, whenever there's like unemployment The training industry is really required. It's when they really need us. So I knew that we were going to be needed, but how were we going to meet those needs? So I thought, okay, all right. I came up with, it wasn't called education in isolation until a few days later. Uh, But that was a Friday. By the Monday, I had a webinar launched to start on the Friday. Um, I was targeting our clients, but it was anybody in the training industry because I truly believed they needed to learn the tools, technology and techniques to get online. Otherwise, they weren't going to know what to do. And a lot of them didn't even know what type of equipment they needed, like cameras and uh, microphones and lighting. And there was a range of different things that they Had no idea about, and I'd already been doing it for five, six years. So I've already been delivering training online. Now, our training model was we delivered uh, a series of workshops around Australia. So we went to Adelaide, Sydney, Melbourne, uh, Brisbane, and we would do that twice a year, and we would deliver three workshops each time. That I knew I'd already cancelled those because uh, of my health condition at the start of the year and I knew I couldn't travel. So I'd already cancelled that and then I thought, well, what else can I do? So thankfully, last year, we actually recorded two of our workshops and they are now online. So we're able to offer those straight away online uh, to all of our clients. We're now doing live uh, so, we do do live uh, webinars. We've been doing live webinars for f- six years and that was the um, RTO compliance and CRICOS compliance and we delivered that once a month. So, each of those once a month. Since then, we're now offering a mastermind every week. So, we just had our fifth one last week. Uh, so, we, we started with education in isolation and we did that every week and what we found was the our clients who were attending and the people, uh, we had a couple of people who paid to come along as well, they found it so invaluable that they wanted it to keep going. And I thought, well, I think it's valuable for our clients that they get that ongoing support and not just in training, but in the business side of their RTO. So for me, it was a realisation that I actually got to do what I've been wanting to do for such a long time, which was coaching.
1: Right. So it sounds like there's more upside than downside from the whole uh, whole COVID situation for you.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, it, like April hit us hard. Uh, we, uh, I think a lot of people just went, oh, okay, we're not going to spend any money right now until we know what's going on. Uh, but what I've seen since that is, um, we 've just been focused on okay what content can we get out there that 's going to help people get online uh, so it 's been really good because a lot of people are seeing that content and they 're learning from it and able to grow from it so i 've seen the benefits of it i 've certainly seen it in our clients i 've seen some amazing transformations uh, through our clients uh, one of the one of them we actually interviewed recently for a podcast Carly uh, uh, she, she has a dance studio. And if anybody says to me they can't get their training online, I will bring up uh, Kylie because she converted all of her training to online and she said if it wasn't for our training, she wouldn't have known, had any idea how to do that. Uh, So for me, that is my, um, what I feel good about is how I've helped our clients through all of this.
1: Right. Now, I can say I've actually heard that episode and I know she made the comment that some of the students were coming back Performing even better than what they what they were from the live studio training, so so yeah, you totally back up that comment that anyone could do it.
0: So Angela, yeah, the, yeah, and I strongly recommend she has a combination yeah. of face to face and online in right. the future. I see that with all training organisations.
1: Yeah, that would make make total sense. So it sounds like you were pretty well prepared, Angela. Um, number one, whether it be through intuition or, or good luck, you were well prepared for. Uh, for the onslaught of COVID but when it hit obviously there would have been a lot of stressful thoughts and on the top of the, the health issues that you were having at the time. Thinking back over the last three months or so has it been as hard as you expected? Um, have there been some pleasant surprises out of it? How would you evaluate that that journey so to speak?
0: So it, it's certainly been a journey <laughs> um, and very much a roller coaster actually. Uh, it It was just a constant thinking on the feet. I've never worked so hard and I've never worked so long. So the hours have been very long. Uh, But I knew that uh, what I needed to do is just keep the wheels churning and keep going. So what was really good is I'd already started working on a whole heap of projects and ideas last year but this year it came to fruition because of COVID-19. Uh, one of them was the podcast so it was something we'd been talking about for a while and because of uh, education isolation we just went right we've got to get this podcast out there because we need to get it out to the public so we can help them with managing their uh, training organisations. So yeah it's been ups and downs. Uh, we we're certainly um, up now. We're, we're uh, quite doing quite well. We're getting positive feedback from our clients. Uh, and um, and the way I see it, we're actually getting a lot of inquiries for new registrations. So people are seeing a lot of opportunity to get into the training space. Uh, and we're also seeing a lot of opportunities for a lot of those non-accredited training providers Providers who were delivering face-to-face training in a workshop style who now need to get online. So we're helping a lot of them with how to develop that. Um, and it was a real big realisation that I could help these people because we, we've been developing training materials and lesson plans and meeting um requirements of doing strategies for training for years so it's actually quite easy to transition across to non-accredited as well so um, lots of new opportunities I think is what I've identified of what's come out of this.
1: Right and what what would you say is the biggest challenge your clients have faced through this process? Uh,
0: The biggest challenge our clients have faced has been the isolation. So, it was having to adapt their training rooms. So, the ones that did continue to deliver training, they needed uh, to make sure that they had the four metre square rule uh, implemented. Uh, Some of the ones that were hardest hit were those ones that were delivering one-day courses. So they were, you know, forklift driving, uh, trafficking, traffic control. Uh, First aid was still going because they needed first aid, but they had to change the way that they were delivering. So um, for the majority of them, the biggest challenge that they had was adapting to the technology and adapting to Uh, what they needed to be able to deliver that training. And it wasn't necessarily the RTOs, it was the trainers that were having difficulty with that. So uh, I think majority of them are now, so we're, we're working on a, uh, recovery plan now, and how to get the RTOs back up and going with the students uh, back into the classroom, uh, making sure that they're meeting all of their safety requirements. Uh, but the way we see it is, they do need to have this combination of face-to-face and online training, uh, because I don't know how long, much longer this is going to be for, and they're definitely not going to be able to fill their classes as much as they used to be able to fill them. So if they can do a combination of face-to-face and online, uh, they'll still get their numbers right
1: and from a compliance point of view Angela has uh has there been a shift in what people have to do to remain compliant like are there extra requirements now that some of the training isn't delivered isn't kind of hands-on so to speak
0: yeah so One of the um, things that has been very positive that's come out of all of this is the Australian Skills Quality Authority who is our regulator, also known as ASQA. Um, They're the regulator for our industry and they uh, actually took them um, a bit of time to adjust. We had clients who were in the middle of they were already booked in for an audit and then it was delayed and postponed and then we ended up doing... Um, audits uh, via teleconference they didn't even have zoom They just had a teleconference. I was on Zoom with the client and Ask were on a teleconference phone. So it was very interesting. They seem to be more behind uh, when it comes to implementing that technology. So we were able to keep going. We've still been auditing our clients. We've still been doing assessment validation. We've been doing everything online. Uh, But the way I see it is uh, we can do this ongoing. So on a compliance front, we can still... uh, do what we were doing previously with our delivery of our training um, and our assessing and our auditing and that whole process, what I see is ASQA will most probably change their model as well, whereby they will do more uh, online auditing uh, because it certainly saves a lot of money when it comes to travel uh, and accommodation for both the regulator and for the client. ASCOR also released a page on their website which was all about uh, distance delivery. It's funny they called it distance delivery when most people went online. Uh, So I actually converted a lot of what that content that they had on their website to online and what they needed to meet in order to stay compliant. So there was some relaxation around uh, fees. They uh, reversed all fees that were paid. So registration fees for the whole year. Uh, they also, uh, were relaxed on other fees because they understood that a lot of tra- RTOs were going to be affected. There were quite, uh, there were a few RTOs that shut down. Because They couldn't cope with the um, isolation and not having any students Uh, but I I believe that's because they didn't put strategies in place to transition to online. There were some that shut down that really shouldn't have shut down because they could have put um, online training in place. There were some training products like the first aid unit where they changed the assessment method because one of the assessment methods is doing CPR. Uh, You no longer needed to put your mouth across the face of the mannequin uh, and that was for safety requirements. But other than that, it was just making sure that you were collecting sufficient evidence of the student's competency. You couldn't just go, yes, they're competent, you still needed to collect sufficient evidence. So, we were coming up with strategies for our clients on how they could do that in a virtual environment.
1: Right. So, for example, how would you do that in the case of a, say, a forklift driving course? How would you assess someone's performance at that <laughs> virtually?
0: Yeah. So, what we identified with forklift driving. Is uh, they could do a component of the forklift driving, so the theory, online or distance, and then they could do the face-to-face. But the only way that they could do it is one-on-one or small groups because they still had to have the space around them. So, what we identified is the best method would be to have an online component where you deliver all the theory. It could be even a live uh, Zoom uh, training session that you could do and then you get them in individually to assess them using the forklift or it might be doing training with it that way. So, it's just looking at how you're delivering, making sure that we're meeting social distancing requirements but... um, keeping everyone safe at the same time Uh, and it's just coming up with innovative ways to do that and which I did see with a few of our clients doing that right okay so thinking now
1: Angela of your clients clients are you the people who are turning up for the training how have they adapted to to working online is it something that they've embraced or are they kind of reluctant to participate what's your experience of that?
0: Yep, so in the majority, the students have taken to it like a duck to water. Uh, A lot of them were, uh, they were in isolation themselves, they weren't working, so at least the training gave them a purpose, something to do. There were challenges, though, where there were um, learner cohorts, so students who uh, were financially challenged and weren't able to access internet, computers, like the only thing they had close enough to a computer would have been their Phone. So it was coming up with ideas of what we could do, like you could deliver video lessons on a phone instead. Uh, The same thing has happened within the school environment as well, public schools, whereby the uh, financially challenged students are the ones that have suffered because they weren't able to get those direct contact with their teachers or their trainers. So I think that's the area where it has been the most challenging. Uh, But what I did find is uh, some of RTOs were doing phone meetings. So the trainers were getting on the phone with the students. Uh, Some of them, there was one RTO in particular, they were delivering uh, aged care training and they were all low language literacy and numeracy and they were also uh, didn't have laptops, didn't have access to the internet. Uh, there was all sorts of challenges there. So what they did was they created smaller groups and delivered face-to-face training within those smaller groups. Right. And, uh, Angela, among your
1: clients, are there any who just take a short-term view of this and see it as something temporary? Like the, the buzzword at the moment is the new normal. Do any of them think they're going to go back to the old normal or are they all kind of uh on board with the fact that there will be a new normal
0: at the beginning they just thought we were going to be temporarily locked down and that was it we we're just going to you know first of all it was oh we'll just shut down for two weeks and yeah. then open back up again and everything be back to normal but as the months drew on Uh it was it became apparent that this was not going to be the way and and we were telling all of our clients it's not going to be the way, it's definitely not going to be two weeks, it's going to be more, and you need to make sure you're putting mechanisms in place or otherwise you're going to lose your business. So we looked at the strategies that they needed to put in place to to get online. I think now the reality has set in. Uh there are RTOs who are now getting students back in, but they have suffered over that time Uh, what was some of the great things that we did see is those RTOs that were so they're paying full-time trainers who weren't training they were getting job seeker so what they did was they got them to do some work in the back end so assessment validation rewriting assessment tools uh, going through and fixing their resources and I think that was the smart thing to do uh, within their RTO because now they're ready to go again and the other big thing was adding other qualifications to their scope or looking at other products that they could deliver right so
1: um i'm glad you mentioned that because i was going to ask how has the process what have you learned from the process of pivoting and how has that improved your business
0: so through this process i think what i've learned is um i had a big challenge whereby I l- saw the new market that we could help, which was the non-accredited training organisations. And I had to think about different ways that we could um, expand our market uh, as well. And I, I had a serious case of imposter syndrome uh, with mm. that, whereby I thought, well, I know RTO World really well. What do I know about non-accredited training? And I had to uh, be... Uh, slapped about a few times by my team members who were like, "Angela, you've been delivering online non-accredited training for six years, so how is that different from what your uh, potential clients would be with consultants?" And and we can build these lesson plans. It's all stuff that we can do. So I think um, that was the biggest barrier I had was me. It was my um, right. my self t- self talk, uh, and and but basically I just kept pushing through kept getting stuff out uh and it was actually the realization is once you put your mind to it you can do whatever you put your mind to and 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 i really believe in the saying by tony robbins where the uh, where the energy goes the focus flows so it or where the focus flows the energy flows um i really love that because it really is if you are focusing on what you're desired outcome is and one is setting three high value activities a week and focusing on those and getting those done
1: right excuse me so you also mentioned Angela that some of your clients had to redeploy their their team members and have them do different tasks to what they were used to doing have you had to do that in your business
0: Uh, No, funnily enough, we were actually still very busy. (laughs) Um, So we had a lot of clients who were, uh, had come on board with us before COVID-19. So we have a membership program where we're looking after our clients ongoing. Uh, And one of our focus, so uh, that, day when I was in hospital thinking, what am I going to do? Uh, one of the things that I thought of is uh, we can't afford to lose any members and I need to focus on our members and what we can do to keep them keep them going. My compliance team, they were very busy with audits. We still, like the world still keeps going. We still had audits. We still had clients who had issues with um, the regulatory body. Uh, we, so, they were focused on that. So, They were only, if it wasn't for my team doing that, I wouldn't have been able to do all of the other stuff I was doing, which was, you know, getting the podcast launch, doing education isolation webinars, setting up more training. Um, And I think we were ideally positioned at the time. Uh, I did... About two and a half years ago, I really identified that our target market needed to be memberships because the regulatory body was changing their requirements. So, I focused on memberships. And we're about the only consulting organisation for the training industry that actually has a membership program. And that membership program is really looking after the clients on an ongoing basis with not just compliance, it's the business side of running an RTO as well. So, I think from like I've been doing this for ten years now, I think we just structured ourselves so well that we were ready for it.
1: Right. So, Angela, you obviously you're helping clients with program development, um, program delivery, and for those who need compliance or accreditation, you're helping them with that as well. Is there? Do you also help them with marketing their programs? And how has that changed for them now that they're marketing? online programs or, or a combination of online and face-to-face?
0: Excellent question because this is what's actually evolved out of all of this. Uh, we, As I said, we were doing the education in isolation uh, webinars, live webinars. We now have transitioned to a mastermind and that mastermind is very much focused on the other side of running a training organisation, which is money, uh, finance, marketing, business development, mindset, leadership. So we've been working a lot in that area. Last year, we actually conducted a survey of our industry and we got over 150 responses to this survey. And the question in the survey is, what is your problem? (laughs) And we actually came up with the top three problems that the industry have. Uh, One was compliance, which we're all over. We've been doing it for many years. Second was time so we really identified that they needed some help with managing their time most uh, business owners within a training organization is doing everything and it's they they're not automating anything and they don't know how to delegate so it's a bit of leadership and a bit of automation training that they need and the other was money so it was how to market so We've been offering masterclasses now for the last, uh, we've done two masterclasses. We're doing one a month now. So uh, I've got a big network of people within a variety of different areas who are now delivering masterclasses for um, the industry. So they're free masterclasses. Uh, The first one we did was on video marketing. The second one we did was on automation because it's an area where I've identified that our clients need help. So I could see the solution. I knew the solution was, you know, to save time, you need to automate. It's what we do. Uh, we automate a lot of what we do. Um, outsourcing, delegating, um, and that leadership skills is what they need. And then we that will bring in more money when they're able to do all of that. So that was certainly an area with our clients that we identified they need a lot more help in. We did a survey at our last mastermind to find out where people are marketing and we identified that there was actually no one in the group, not one person, there was 20 people in the group, not one person was using Google Ads. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, really? You don't use Google Ads? So we've identified we're going to teach them how to use Google Ads and, and what right. that's going to do. Like the training industry is a highly competitive industry and they've got a lot of competition out there. If they're not doing Google Ads, they're not going to be seen. Yeah. So they're really, so that's what we're helping with now is that other side of the business and getting them, um, uh, you know, we want the best quality training organisations to be our members.
1: Right. So it sounds to me like that, that sounds very holistic. You're not just teaching people how to uh, run the training side of their business. It's, it's actually running a training business, which is a very yeah. different thing.
0: Yeah. And when I had my RTO, like I grew it from a little a RTO that was losing a lot of money, I bought it from um, another entity and it was losing a lot of money and I turned it around from you know had eight qualifications on the scope we had you know three or four trainers, two over forty trainers thirty five qualifications, and all those sites and what I was really good at was marketing networking business building, and that so I was also good at the compliance side. But I knew that the secret to running a successful training organisation is your brand and what you're doing with your brand of your organisation. And so that's what I've I've always taught our clients that uh, and it's always been my passion, but it wasn't our core of what we did. Whereas now it's coming out this year as um, uh, a core of, of knowing our clients are going to need it. Right, okay.
1: So so thinking ahead, Angela, um, we, we've covered a fair bit on the, the turmoil of, of recent months, but thinking ahead, uh, just in terms of government support, there's been a fair bit of temporary government support, but but I can, I can see the writing on the wall. I'm not in your field, but one thing that I know comes with high unemployment is a lot of government support for training. So do you help your clients with that side of things and is that something you're optimistic about in the, in the coming months and years?
0: Yeah, so I know it might sound horrible, but I actually identified straight away that there would be government funding coming. So I I knew it would come, it would just be when the government would get their act together uh, to be able to provide that. With high unemployment, the government always tends to throw money at training organisations, which I was very good at when I had my RTO. Uh, When I sold my RTO, I'd secured $1.1 million worth of government funding contract. Uh, And that was just the government funding, never mind the fee for service. So that is an area that I'm very passionate about. um, And it's very much identifying what are the skill shortages and adding those qualifications to your scope or making sure that you have the training that's going to meet those skills shortages to be able to access that funding so just because you're an RTO doesn't mean you're going to get funding it's really the skill shortages because that's what the government want you to train in and what I see right now is there's a need for reskilling of the hospitality industry um, in particular with safe work practices um, uh, including social distancing wow. and hygiene and um, Um, infection control in those sort of areas. Um, There's also been a massive increase in need for people working within aged care facilities and disability providers. So there will be funding in those areas. Um, I call it my crystal ball. I look into my crystal ball of what I think is going to happen in the future and I I definitely think hospitality, uh, commercial cookery is also going to be another one. Um, Tourism. national domestic tourism is going to be huge and they're going to need it now they're going to need staff now because uh, because people aren't going to be traveling overseas uh, at least until the end of the year so uh, they're going to need staff in those areas so they're going to need you know asset control so cleaners within hotels they're going to need restaurant staff they're going to need and these are going to be people who were in totally different industries before who now need to come in and learn new skills so these are the areas you need to go to your local council um, and your local and your new state and find out what are their skill shortages and that's what you need to target right now
1: right okay now I know one of the one of the things that has been birthed out of this whole process for you Angela has been your online training superhero course tell us about that who's it for and what would be accomplished from that
0: Yeah, so we started with the education and isolation course, uh, and from there it evolved where I identified that our market's not just domestic, uh, not just RTOs, it's also uh, non accredited training providers. So the um, online training superhero course that we've developed is an eight-week course that includes we go through in depth into the technology that you need so um, looking at uh, the apps the uh, uh, webinar software, the gaming software, the quizzes, things like that. We also look at the equipment that you're going to need to be able to deliver that training online. Uh, And we also go through how to build a portal. So if you're going to be building a course um, and what is the structure for building a course? And this comes from our years of experience of developing uh, course structures. And it's basically pulling those ideas out of your head if you're doing non-accreditation accredited and getting it out into a structure of modules and lessons so that they're uh, you can sell them and you're able to deliver them online. Uh, but it's been a massive area where we've really identified our clients um, and the industry really need how to learn how to use those tools and techniques uh, to be able to deliver the training because delivering is just one side of it. You also got to market it and sell it. So we also cover that area as well uh, within the course Um, and it's a quite intensive course. So not only have we got the online course, we've also built an online training superhero package and the package is where we actually have six strategy sessions uh, with our clients where we pull out all those ideas out of your head on how to structure your course and what needs to be included in there and then we also have the course so you can do the online course with us Uh, but then we build you a portal and we help you with the marketing my background prior to getting into the training industry was marketing and graphic design so uh, i won't be doing the designs but we work with a designer and come up with you know a powerpoint Uh, template that you can use, uh, also your branding for your website. Uh, If you have a logo, we work with that logo and then copywriting. And it all comes from the automation that we've used with our outsourcing that we've used, where we can help our clients do that. And then we're building an online portal with a landing page um, and also has the whole mechanism to be able to do referrals and sales uh, through the whole website. So, uh, yeah, so something that we've definitely identified is something required by the industry uh, moving into the future. Right. So it
1: sounds to me, Angela, like no doubt there are some business owners sitting at home thinking, gee, I missed the boat, you know. I should have should have got onto this two or three months ago when, when everything went down. But from what you're saying... It's not too late and someone could, could still stake their claim on online training.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not too late. Uh, actually, as I said earlier, for me, the first thing I identified is the training industry has changed forever. It will never ever be the same and what I mean by that is students are going to expect to have a flexible delivery mode they're going to expect to have an online component they've already been doing it look at how we meet now like I would have six zoom meetings a day I'm so used to getting online and meeting with people online I'm doing all of my training online for myself personally people are going to expect it and if you don't have an online component if you're only purely delivering face-to-face you're going to lose a whole market because it's going to be those training organizations or people who are delivering training who have the combined so they have online with a face-to-face method that are going to champion the training industry they're the ones that are really going to lead it uh, because it will be expected school students coming out of school are going to expect it it's it's just the whole industry's changed so has the event industry changed
1: Right. So where's an ideal place for someone to start, Angela? W- would it be the tr- online training superhero course or do you do like a consultation with them to see see what might be the, an ideal fit for them?
0: Yeah, so they can do... Uh, you can start with just the online training superhero. We actually have a few... Um, Uh, free webinars that we offer as well uh, where we give you a taster of what it's like and what you need to have in place Uh, and we have those on our website and on vivacity.com.au that you can access uh, and there's a range of free courses that we offer on there as well on how to learn how to do that Uh, for us the big thing is uh, you need to really identify well okay what are you going to deliver Who is your target market? And then we work with you to identify how we pull that out of your head and then put it into a training product. I'll give you an example of one we've got right now. We've got a client um, who wants to deliver training in cybersecurity. It's something he'd been thinking about doing for quite some time, but still hadn't launched it. Uh, He's got all these ideas, but he's a very creative uh, star thinker. So everything's all floating around up the top. So we basically pull that out and then put it into um, a plan so that he can then deliver that and then people can get online Uh, but it's a perfect example of you know we've got an audience now around the world we're not restricted to just Australia right
1: yeah okay so that's another good thing that can come out of it so Angela you mentioned earlier uh, the the dance studio who had successfully transitioned from face to face to working online what what have been some other surprising success stories for you? Or maybe they're not yep. a surprise for you, but they're a surprise for, for the owner, so to speak.
0: For the owner, yeah. So um, we've had uh, one of our clients in South Australia who have actually opened up everything now. Uh, they started getting uh, recordings of all of their, uh, they do classes, so their commercial cookery. They deliver training in that area. And that was, I actually said to them, while she's still, this was at the start of it all. I said, while she still got some classes, because I knew the lockdown was coming, I said, start recording, start recording those master classes. And then, um, so the big thing is they were a CRICOS uh, organisation, which means they have international students, and their students were stuck in China or India, still overseas, and they couldn't come to Australia. So what they could do is they were able to deliver pre course material. Uh, of live webinars or recordings that they could send uh, to those students uh, going on to the future. Due to this, they've now launched a whole online platform, where it was in it was in the pipeline. They talked about it, uh, but it fast tracked because of all of this, and now they've got content on there. And they've actually launched it. Um, They still see that they'll do a face-to-face model, but they have also identified great opportunities for international students to be able to get some training prior to coming to Australia. And I've also had another client who has done all of their inductions online. So they have an induction video um, and they're actually doing it live. So before they even come to Australia, they're doing a live induction Giving them a tour of Australia, what they need to know, where they can stay for accommodation, um, what they're going to need for living in Australia, and they're pre prepared before they come to Australia. So they've actually come up with strategies that are going to minimise the amount of time that they need to spend with the student once they come into Australia because they've already had all that pre course training um, prior to arriving in Australia. And it's due to these training organisations that have done this that we've actually uh, pipped the market with international students. Uh, and it's also because of the social distancing that we've had here that we're like, the borders are going to open up next month for Chinese students, uh, which is amazing for Australia. And it means that we're going to dominate the market when it comes to international, uh, education. So I see, uh, there was, uh, what, what else have I seen? A lot of the uh, clients that we've had, uh, oh, another client I've got. So she was delivering, she's delivering aged care training and community services. She's built a whole studio now with lights and sound and cameras and she's got the whole studio there. She's doing regular um, video casting from there. She's now doing video testimonials uh, within the same room And uh, she's now, and they're delivering uh, recording content that will complement the training. And she just said, like, if it wasn't for what we had done with her training, she wouldn't have even come up with this idea. Uh, But she's seen a whole opportunity where she's able to access a whole new audience.
1: Right. That's fascinating. Angela, I don't know if you've had much time to think uh, about the future of your business, but where do you see yourself in six months, 12 months, and maybe two years' time?
0: Okay, so in the future, uh, so if we look at uh, six months, uh, six months we will have uh, a whole non-accredited training uh, side of the business set up. Uh, So, we're going to do a whole service package that will be looking after all of those, you know, coaches, consultants and people who are delivering face-to-face training on how to get online. So, that will be launched uh, by then. Uh, We also see that uh, we will be doing uh, – I've got – Some people who still want face-to-face, but I am also seeing that uh, we've got a much bigger audience. Uh, I'm actually seeing that we're going to... We've always only been based in Australia. Uh, We actually identify that, uh, you know, within 12 months, we're going to have international clients. So we'll be having people who will be doing training with us. Uh, The Australian Quality Compliance System is world recognised in particular in Asia. So I actually see a lot of our compliance is would work for overseas as well, uh, which means that we're able to deliver it online. So what I see in the future is within, you know, if I look back uh, 12 months in the future from net to now, uh, I think what we'll see is uh, new platforms built Online training. We're releasing another ten courses by the end of uh, by twelve months' time, and I see the future of how we work within this industry is very much helping not only the compliance but the business side of running training organisations um, and successful ones. Um, so I see, I would say at least fifty percent of what we do would be online.
1: Great. So before we uh, wrap up and get into logistics of how people can get hold of you, is there anything we haven't covered on, on the interview so far that, that you would want to add as a, as a closing comment?
0: No, I think um, I think the biggest thing with the training industry is we are a very important sector of the community and it's very much we need to be connected with the community, we need to understand what their requirements are um, and getting to industry and actually identifying what their needs are. The only way we're going to know what training we need to provide in the future is actually go out and ask industry what are their needs and also go to the students and identify, well, What are they wishing? How do they wish to work? What type of work do they want to do? Um, A big thing that I can see is a big opportunity for training organisations delivering business is teaching um, people how to work from home, how to have businesses that work from home. Um, and how to facilitate that, uh, including, you know, having regular meetings and and that sort of side of it. It, We we have changed. We're not going back to normal. There will not be the normal that we used to know. Um, It will be a very different environment. Our whole office now, we've closed down our office and all of our team work from home. The way I see it, I can now hire anybody in Australia. It doesn't matter... Whereas we were restricted before, uh, particularly when our office was in Newcastle, not a lot of people wanted to live there uh, and they didn't want to move away from their cities. Now it doesn't matter. We have opportunities where we can work with people anywhere in Australia uh, because we know it works now. Uh, We've been doing it successfully now for three months.
1: That's great. And I'm glad you mentioned there that you're going to be uh, including programs about how to work from home because I know Mm. that now that the novelty is wearing off, There'll be a few bad habits will be starting to creep in. And, uh yeah, so that'll be something that...
0: Yeah, the COVID kilos.
1: COVID kilos, yeah, <laughs> all of that. But if, <laughs> if people want to maintain standards, they'll, they'll need to kind of set the standard first and a, a training program's a good place for that to happen. Um, so, Angela, in terms of contact details, your website is vivacity.com.au. V-I-V-A-C-I-T-Y.com.au. Anywhere else where, where you would want to send people to, to find out more about you? Yep.
0: So on the website, you can also uh, book in a discovery call if you'd like to have a chat with one of our team members. Um, but connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I have a big network of within the training industry and I'd love to connect with anybody who's delivering anywhere in the training industry, accredited or non-accredited, because that's my network. We also have a Facebook group called Vivacity Community The Vivacity community is all about connecting training providers around Australia so that we can learn from each other. So, it's very much um, a community where we can learn uh, not only RTO world, but also marketing and business development and business growth. Uh, Because the way I see it, uh, we want to have good quality training organisations. We don't want what is a risk right now when government funding comes out is dodgy operators. Um, they tend to start springing up RTOs all over the place because uh, they know government funding is coming. We want to work with those quality providers who have a genuine interest in providing that quality education. Excellent.
1: Well, thank you, Angela, for having me on your podcast and for being on your podcast as a, as a guest. I, I always love these types of interviews because I, I get to know our clients better but also to understand your field a bit more and even though I knew you were an expert at what you do, this um, this interview, and I'm sure the listeners would agree, they've got a sense that you really do know what you're doing and anyone would be in good hands that you're working with you.
0: Yeah, I love what we do. Um, as I say, I tried to leave it once and I, <laughs> I know I'll never leave it again. <laughs> it didn't
1: work. it okay. Right. work. Okay. Well, thank, thank you once again, Angela. Bye for now.
0: Okay. Thank you. Bye. you've been listening to the education in isolation podcast with me angela connell do you know someone else who could benefit from learning about opportunities and strategies to provide training online please take a moment to share this and other episodes via your podcast app email or social media channels each share helps us reach listeners just like you who can benefit from our content The Education in Isolation podcast is proud to be part of the Experts on the Air podcast network.